My name is Andrew Newby, and I'm hosting a series of iResearch Services podcasts over the coming weeks. These are intended to educate senior level marketers and thought leaders as to how to address some of the more challenging and exciting issues facing them currently. Our topic today is future thinking and change making as an organizational futurist. With that, I'd like to welcome today's guest expert, Harvey Kraft. Harvey is author of The Buddha from Babylon, a book 25 years in the making, which explores the real life story of the historical Buddha, Siddhartha Gautama. Harvey is also co-founder of the company Digital Freedom, a marketing and creative visionary, an historian futurist and a spiritual archeologist, of which more later. Harvey is also the founder of the LI Group Digitalism, dedicated to the application of high-minded values as a framework for guiding the march of technological innovations for the benefit of humanity. Harvey Kraft, Harvey, welcome and yeah. thank you for sharing your insights with our listeners. Uh, it's, uh, it's an honor, uh, Andrew, to be here with you today. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you and reciprocated. Um, so just to start off, can you give our listeners, if, you, if you'd be so kind, an idea of your, your central message or, or messages, because you have many. In short, uh, as I understand it, we're moving from, we're in a sort of a period where we have a zeitgeist moving us from an oppressive workplace environment, uh, where our potential is not fully realized, to a place where we can find liberation uh, as people and as uh, workers. And that liberation uh, is, in your opinion, uh, technology. Uh, so your message is essentially optimistic, but uh, it has a distinct kicker for marketers. Okay, I, I, uh, this gives me an opportunity as a lead-in to explain that my career uh, has been more than one road at a time. Uh, for one thing, I've been in the marketing uh, business, specifically from the areas of uh, marketing design to uh, being a chief marketing officer, uh, started out my career in my 20s uh, at American Express for several years, a very top level marketing organization there, and uh, I went on uh, to to explore various uh, technological changes that we've had over the last few years. And, and in the process, um, as you mentioned, uh, I was also simultaneously uh, an historical researcher. And uh, one of the issues that had always uh, uh, was important for me to understand is um, that ancient times seems to have had a tremendous emphasis on visionary um, thought, on wisdom, and on understanding a, a greater picture or more profound view of humanity. And uh, I was very interested in how these two ideas of history and the future intersect. And if so, what is the impact that that has on what is transpiring right now. So at this moment, I've spent a great deal of time not only um, looking at what's going on in the present moment, but uh, 
seeing and uh, identifying and forecasting what we're about to go through as uh, not only as a marketing industry, but um, as a world um, in its entirety, everything that we are taking for granted right now in many respects is falling apart before our eyes, which is indicative of a systematic collapse uh, for various reasons, um, some of which are, are due to uh, power plays and some of which are due because we're evolving. Uh, so I think at this point, uh, the message that I want to uh, get across to the audience is that we need to more fully appreciate and understand where we're heading and why, uh, and to become much more alert of the changes uh, that are now taking place below the radar in order to understand uh, the, the kind of uh, business environment and uh, consumer relationship environment uh, that is now on the verge of happening. Underpinning this, and um, you spoke in our uh, a call we had prior to this, about a tsunami alert coming to marketers. Um, so underlying this is, um, if I read uh, you correctly, which I may not be, is that the, a global, uh, we as global citizens uh, are imagining um, you know, a, a new or another system of existence as citizens and as consumers, um, that we want to be less targets, uh, focusing this on the marketing function, but but leaders in our own right, self-actualizing people. Um, could you perhaps elaborate on that? Not least whether I got what you've said sort of su summarized correctly. Well, I think it's pretty obvious that uh, the reason uh, business is shaped uh, the way it is today is uh, one very simple word, which is the internet. Uh, <clears throat> now the question is, what kind of internet do we have? And how does the systemic uh, structure of the internet that we have today decide winners and losers? Uh, so the internet itself, when it uh, first began uh, sometime in the end of the previous uh, millennia, uh, which is not that long ago, um, began as a sort of a place of freedom where people can express themselves and connect with each other in ways that they never did before. But uh, as time went on, of course, uh, we've had the creation of what we now call tech giants. Amazing that these tech giants have only existed for 15 years. And yet you would, you would think the way that, um, that we talk about them, that they've been around forever and that they will be around forever. But from a historical uh, standpoint, this is typical of empires, right? Empires actually happen very fast, okay? They, they just invade somebody else's empire or somebody else's territory and they add it to their territory and they just devour and engulf until they basically control large territories. And it always seems like, how are we going to deal with that? And uh, somehow the reason why it 
doesn't work in the long run is because of cracks in the system. So biggest crack in the system uh, that exists today is this notion that the consumer is, uh, is the classic uh, sucker born every minute. Uh, of course, a more sophisticated corporation understands uh, that engagement is a responsibility and, uh, and uh, good citizenship and giving people what they want and interacting with them in the right way is good. But at the end of the day, the, uh, the marketer is the one that has the possession of the data and that particular data people have shared uh, without necessarily understanding what that means in regards to uh, to their leverage in that uh, particular relationship. So as we move now from um, what we would call Web 2.0, which is a page-based, text-based internet, we're now going to be moving into Web 3.0, which is the spatial web which is a whole other dimension. Instead of HTTP, which is text, it's going to be HSTP, which is space. So now your domain is no longer a flat page on the internet. Your domain now becomes a space in the digital uh, web. Well, that's a huge change. What are you going to do in that space that actually adds value in such a way that the uh, consumers or your prospects or your value chain um, is able to interact with you more efficiently and so on. So we'll address that, I guess, in the rest of the conversation, but at least that's the, the point of a systemic view uh, that when a system uh, becomes um, unwieldy to an extent and, and goes out of balance, then uh, nature <laughs> comes up with a better uh, system, which is what we call evolution. A dramatic change in system is basically was my point and what that system, we're going from a flat system to a spatial system and all, and all the ramifications of, of that at this point. It's a change in system, meaning uh, that just like any system, if it begins to uh, no longer serve um, its audience in a constructive way, somebody's going to come up uh, like nature does with uh, new systems and we're going to evolve. So this is our next, uh, let's call it a, a leap in evolution is what we're about to face. And I'll explain what I mean in a moment about why this is something on that level. What do, what do I mean by leap in evolution? Because people always want to know ahead of time what they're evolving into. <laughs> it'd be nice to know sometimes not <laughs> we certainly can come up with ideas in our heads of what we don't want <laughs> but very few people actually are willing to sort of buy into a, a uh, uh, let's just say an optimistic scenario as you said because we're uh, especially analysts are always looking for the uh, the part that is going to take everything down. Uh, what is it that that we're looking at that will not work? So, um, yeah, we're looking for the black swan, aren't we? Not the white swan. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> um, so, so you you tied so you so just developing this evolution 
this evolutionary um, uh, sort of zeitgeist uh, and, and relating that to XR, VR, AR. Um, should I say it's an evolution of our consciousness on a, as, as human beings? And be careful not to get too abstract. I'm, I'm Try and relate this to, you know, startups, small businesses, um, as opposed to sort of large companies, and how they 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 can ride this wave, um, technological wave. Sort of. So, what what do you? So firstly, sort of just you can elaborate on the evolution of what, and and what that means for startups and small businesses, not just from a marketing angle, but but strategically if you could right. elaborate well, I'm, on that um, i've decided with a, a few co-founders to create a company called digital fandom uh and as the name connotes we're in a digital world and we're concerned about the audience and the audience experience so this is just one of many 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 smaller companies who have an idea based on the whole notion of immersive technology and where we're going with that. And you'll find companies that are already playing uh, quite a role in the uh, healthcare field, medical field, in the training areas, in the manufacturing facilities, in architecture, build, build, uh, building uh, digital twins of buildings. All of that is part of a single spatial movement. So you mentioned XR, VR, AR. Those are, let's just call it the, uh, the artwork or the content part of an environment. So if, if somebody owns uh, um, a warehouse, for example, they can have a digital twin of that warehouse online. And that digital twin has digital twins of every single product in, that, in the warehouse. And so the management of the warehouse is being taken care of in a digital framework. So if the digital warehouse gets an order and decides to send out the order, the duplication of it, that management happens in the physical warehouse. So there is this integration of a digital facil facilitation. Now what we don't really talk about and very few people talk about as yet is how is this going to impact marketing? Because in marketing, we need an audience and whether it's B2B or B2C, but the other part of it is we're used to having messages. We're used to using those messages to influence and to persuade and to follow various channels because these are the systemic uh, rules of the current internet. Okay, so when we talk about digital marketing, you know, nobody's going out to try to reinvent digital marketing. Okay, it is what it is. Now, the, the problems that exist with digital marketing are many. Um, and so certain companies with financial advantages or size advantages, um, can thrive in that kind of environment because they could throw a lot of money at it and make it work for them. Uh, also, small companies do well if they're able to find their particular niche audience. 
but the new web is somewhat different because just like generations uh, Gen Z, the new type of um, uh, consumer uh, it wants an experience. In other words, they're not looking to be bombarded by a brand message over and over and over and over again. Okay, what they want is an experience of some sort. Uh, and, and if they are enjoying that experience, then they will uh, look at the brand uh, in a positive way. It's a very, very different set of circumstances from what is going on and has been going on for a while. Right. And so, so it's not just about um, faster, faster, faster in terms of the sales cycle and marketing. It's how can I as a consumer go exploring and in the process yeah. find something I want? And how can I as a marketer get myself to be present during that prospect, let's call it prospect, mm. during that prospect's experience. Is that's that right. That's summary. Yeah, I think that's the case. Um, and now the, the issue is how do we apply that principle across the board? What happens when I physically come into a store and how can I uh, integrate the, uh, the spatial technology with what is on the floor? How can I make my experience uh, such that I can find what I don't even know I'm looking for, but that I would like, or how can I find what is somewhere in the shelf that, and I can't find anybody in the store to help me. So faster usually means um, not wasting time on, um, on actions that are fruitless. Uh, that's the new faster. <laughs> is the, uh, the efficiency of the communications in terms of what that particular individual is looking for in real time at a particular moment, like Google Zmod. What happens to Zmod? Is that just a target for um, a particular time when the brand wants to be in front of the, uh, of the audience? Or, or is it something that in the hands of the audience I know I'm ready to do such and such, and this is what I want to do, but maybe I'm not informed enough, so I need to look at a quick message, or maybe I need to make an appointment, or maybe I need to have a conversation in some way with, uh, with someone in a live situation. So all of those things come in, and then now begin to integrate with all the new technologies like AI and IoT, and this is really where it gets exciting. Okay, because while, uh, you know, uh, the, the fiction genre uh, looks at AI as a potential for a dystopian uh, world, in actuality, it, it, it is going to be one of the most uh, helpful tools in the, in, in the history of uh, human toolmaking, because it'll help people cut through the clutter in terms of navigating the world in a way that fits them individually. This is where I mean, what does marketing do now? If the, if the consumer has the wherewithal and the power, A, to be able to explore, but also keep all their data in a blockchain uh, ledger environment to themselves. In other words, they can't be necessarily identified and targeted. The whole push 
is such that the brand now needs to be concerned about the consumer experience in order to have visibility. That's very big, 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 big change and also becomes part of the whole IoT process and edge computing comes in and distributing computed comes in. And so what I'm talking about is we literally have dozens of major innovations that any one of them is on a world global change level. And now you're creating a synergy of all of them, all happening simultaneously to create a completely new interactive experience. Marketing cannot stay where it is under those circumstances because all the rules change. The cookies are finished. You know, no more cookies, folks. <laughs> so, so just um, so um, just stepping back a bit and, and sort of uh, you know we referenced uh, your, your um, study or your book about uh, the real Buddha. Um, with reference either to sort of the lessons one can draw specifically from that book or just generally from the historical method. So, so you know, uh, so Paul Kennedy wrote his book about sort of the, the, you know, the, the rise and fall of civilizations very much on a sort of mega sort of trend level. So how, how can historians be relevant to today's sort of business debates and, and how would how could historians historians slash futurists um skills be applied to analyze what's happening now specifically in the the realm of the 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 spatial internet world that's a great question uh, first of all the the buddha's lifetime at least the middle of his lifetime is sometime around 500 bce okay so we're talking about approximately 500 years for Western minds uh, before Jesus Christ. Um, that also means that uh, he was a, um, he was not only a, a spiritual visionary, but he was also a, a philosopher and involved in the early sciences of his time. And uh, much of that takes place in Babylon. So we have some connection there between the Buddha knowing what's going on in the world and his connection with the Magi in Babylon. And they were the first ones to develop algebra. Uh, they also were the first ones to map the heavens and create a zodiac map. Um, and so there were some pretty sophisticated folks back then. Uh, this era called the Axial Age also includes Greek philosophers and particularly the pre-Socratic uh, philosophers who were very much concerned about what are the elements and the forces that constitute existence. Now, at the same time, we've got um, the legacy of, of um, empires, the Assyrian Empire that lasted some 1200 years. We couldn't possibly conceive of that. You know, the Babylonian Empire, the uh, Persian Empire that follows that, the Greek Hellenic Empire that follows that, and then the Roman Empire that follows that. And so we have the development of alternative worlds developed by visionaries uh, in re response to a world that is dominated. So 
the Buddha is offering his audience a process with which to liberate consciousness. So in other words, uh, the, the consciousness is not going to be liberated by virtue of uh, fighting against an empire that's basically going to kill your family uh, without any remorse, okay? The value of liberation takes place in your own mind. So if you keep just that lesson in mind, we are right now in that same juncture that we were at that time back then. And um, that means that in order to truly transform the world, we have an opportunity with a new technology to liberate minds. And usually we say, well, if people are educated, then their minds are liberated, as opposed to staying ignorant. Um, that fact is not always the case because education can also be a, a form of domination and indoctrination and persuasion. And, you know, you could even see uh, in science, uh, there are disagreements among scientists, but the, uh, usually the, historically, the, the accepted science is the uh, science accepted by a committee of higher ups. Uh, rather than uh, than its merit, and it takes the, uh, the 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 new discoveries some time before they can uh, be discovered. But even then, is now changing to an extent. We have we have a lot of issues right now about the uh, what 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 are we talking about when we're talking about science of of virus of virus? You know, are all viruses the same? Uh, how come we treat one virus differently from another virus in terms of our reaction to it? Uh, why is the world um, doing what we're doing right now? Is it really us or is it some kind of a dominant uh, mechanism that is managing uh, the society? And, and if so, why? You know, what, why are dominant forces always afraid of liberation, okay? And sometimes, of course, we have revolutions based on uh, liberation, and it turns out that the liberator becomes the next dictator. So liberation doesn't always work either. But the technology is not an, is not an individual now. What we're about to enter is a technology that's able to liberate minds from the youngest Think about an, uh, 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 a kid who's maybe seven or eight years old who can now take uh, a course on fixing cars. And, uh, and as would be some with tremendous uh, talent, some kid's going to be able to fix your car at seven years of age because that information is available. So the awareness factor, the, uh, the, the, the access to basically... Um, create, uh, use imagination, do new things, find new ways to do things, all of that now becomes uh, democratized. And it is the only way that uh, business uh, can survive in that type of environment because domination, it doesn't work, is to become part of the build-out process. Uh, and that's, I think, what uh, I'm trying to convey here that is so close to our visionary history uh, is that that visionary history 
uh, let's say the Buddha going into the forest, uh, once he got there and started teaching a few people, that movement grew, you know, as, as hundreds of thousands came in order to learn how to be liberated. And they went into the forest because the forest was safe. Outside the forest, you had empires. And you had all kinds of social structures that demanded uh, behavior be uh, in a certain way. So in a way, the technology that we're looking at right now is going to be the, um, the uh, variable uh, uh, that we call the forest. Okay, we're all going into the forest next. And so it's a different situation from being in an urban environment. How are you going to deal with people and what they're looking for in, in the forest as opposed to in the city? But Buddha went to the forest. He failed to achieve his enlightenment, but um, Initially, I guess yeah. by analogy, the forest is where we find liberation and, and, and liberation is technology at the at the risk of sounding cult-like and effusive <laughs> <laughs> well, we're using we're using metaphor and so this is what the ancient language is all about and why people tend to not understand what is in these ancient documents because they can't make the leap of a story containing wisdom metaphors and different like Sanskrit has, you know, various levels of understanding depending on the, uh, the audience's capacity to, uh, to see what's there. So that kind of challenge is remarkable because it's the same kind of challenge we're about to face. All right, it's gonna be up to uh, an individual to take this uh, language that we're now creating, the technological language, and all the tools that come with it, and to see what they individually can do to further their awareness, their discernment, their ability to, uh, to create uh, value. And this is the case for marketers as well. You know, that's the point. Now, marketers are not sitting in a different seat from the from the consumer. They, the marketers now have to become uh, champions of the consumer's ability to develop themselves. So if you have a product or a service, it's not really how many times can you uh, repeat your message in order to persuade the consumer. It's how many ways can I engage the consumer in, in such a situation that the consumer then uh, becomes a, a champion uh, of the product in some way, maybe contribute to the product itself, you know, with 3D printing. Uh, you know, they could take a basic uh, type of program and they could turn it into something uh, personal that then maybe they could give to their, uh, to other people that they know in this kind of shareability. Of course, it's uh, it's a nightmare for people uh, uh, do, who think about control because you have to be able to let go a certain amount of control, but you have too much control as it is and too much control stifles. If you have uh, your, your IPs in place and you're willing to share uh, with your audience the, uh, the ability for that audience to develop 
experiences around product and allow the product to be flexible within those experiences. And that goes along with the messaging there. Uh, we're talking about um, a dynamic leap. Of course, most people think, oh, I'm just talking about some kind of a far off future. I'm talking about this decade, folks. <laughs> Now, <laughs> it's on the verge of going on right now. So, the, the, so developing new tools, new capabilities, reflecting this desire of we, the global audience, to, to be no longer targets, but, but leaders, so that uh, we have to yeah, be enabled, not just persuaded. Yeah, it's uh, just like um, uh, team formation as a natural outcome instead of a top-down. So instead of saying, okay, I have a particular goal, I need a team uh, that would then execute that goal. Now it's like, okay, let's put a team together and find out what we can do next. And that team will look into various ways of ex expressing that, that goal. So it's not it's not a, instead of being a top-down situation, it really is a, a, a kind of a new policy based on the uh, explorations and finding uh, new potentials. There are many company, companies and, and individuals that are listening to this that are probably saying, oh, I'm already doing this. And yes, it, it is the case. It's just not coordinated through a connected web. Okay, so individually, you're going to have individual companies, some more enlightened, if I may use that word, than others. And they, uh, they are understanding of, uh, of what's really important uh, in terms of the feedback relationships with customers. Now, add to that one-off type of approach to a shared three-dimensional internet. Just amazing what we're about to step into. Avi Kraft, thank you so much for your time and insights. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Andrew. Appreciate it.